yeah, treating people well. So that's about how people interact. It's about how you deal with them. If you want to get the best out of people, giving, giving them the confidence to go forward. I think to be a really good designer and the best ones, they have just utter belief in themselves. Utter confidence that what they've drawn and what they've designed is the best. It wasn't for you know, Ian Callum's mother, the idea of design, we just might not have known about it. IED at the time was probably one of Europe's biggest consultancies, taking on like Pina Frina and Ital, being an Audi designer or a BMW designer because things were coming in the door and you just had to switch yeah. very quickly. None of it should be a fallback. If you really want to be a designer, you fight for that being <laughs> a designer. Don't become a modeler because I didn't quite make it. Give yourself time. You are only as good as you know, the reputation you've got. And something else actually, I suddenly worked out not that long ago. Car design and designers should be spoken about more. In my conversations with engineers, managers and CEOs, no one talks about the design process. When I first thought about working with cars, the design aspects stuck out the most. But after speaking to friends, family and mentors, I thought the role was less prestigious than engineering. No one I knew was proud of their child for designing cars. It was always engineering that stood out. I want to change this. The design process is a myth to me and a topic I want to learn more about. So speaking to someone who knew the topic inside and out was imperative. From working for IAD, one of the biggest design agencies in the world, challenging Pinafrina and Ital design, the secrets to how you can be a success when it comes to design are in this conversation. The process you use, the people you work with, and the mindset you have is all covered by Chris. You'll get to hear how he went from metaworking to junior designer, to owning one of the best design consultancies in the UK. I have changed the way I view designers, and the way I now look at cars, the way I view OEMs have also changed, all because of Chris. If you don't know much about car design like me, or believe that engineering is more important, you'll want to listen and have your mind changed. Chris, welcome to being on the podcast. Uh, we start Hi. off just simple with uh, what ignited your passion for cars? I uh, can't think of anything that, at a time that there wasn't cars in my life, basically. Motorbikes as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, basically, just growing up, seemed to be around all the time. Um, brother was interested, mother seemed to have an interest, and father would take them down to Grand Prix. So, right from the start, we're just surrounded in that sort of atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. What is it like having, how many brothers do you have? Got two brothers and a sister. So, what is it like having, they're both older than you as well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. What is that like having that surrounded as growing up as well? Uh, from my point of view, it was great. Um, the you know they were older, but not so much. But I could just see them progressing through things, and of course they're like heroes, aren't they? And you know just um, everything they're doing, you're sort of looking up at it and thinking, oh yeah, looks cool, can't wait. So yeah, yeah. from driving cars to um, go karting as they did. Um, so yeah, there's a, definitely that sort of feeling about it. Yeah, and a good family, you know, it's good. It's interesting. Uh, what I try and figure out early on in the podcast is like sort of like the things that make you who you are today. So like the, I think it helps me remember about the journey. So like for you, what was what were the main lessons you learned from people around you, like growing up? So like your teachers, parents, them. So what were the things that you kind of picked up looking back at it? Um, respect and just um, yeah, treating people well. So all the way, way through, just it's that it's about how people interact. It's about how you deal with them and they should, you know, you should get treated the way that you want to be treated. You should treat people the same. And it's quite clearly, um, I, you know, that has stuck with me all the way through. Mm. And running business, it comes quite clear that if you want to get the best out of people, it's about um, giving them responsibility, letting them run with it and um, 
yeah, giving giving them the confidence to go forward. And I think that's one thing. We're just encouraged to do everything we could. So my mother was always about encouragement, um, creative encouragement. Uh, my father was very solid, mm. and so therefore was like the, the backbone behind it all. But again, just back to whatever we're doing, no, no matter what. Yeah, it's interesting because like, when it comes to like careers, and I think like for me personally, like, when I looked at my when I left school, and I was like, I, I don't really know what I want to do. I had a plan to to go into do an apprenticeship at Jaguar Land. That was the plan to do that. And when that kind of went under because they cancelled the apprenticeship like midway through my levels, and I was like, okay, what do I do now? And it's interesting because so, like when I came to the to get careers advice, and when I came to ask the person in my life, yeah. the, the careers advisor who was supposed to help me, she just went, oh, this is the thing that. The person you're above had done that your person you're above had done all the research right. clearly i should have taken that as a massive red flag and gone okay <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. if you haven't got anything for me but yeah no so for you what was that experience like finding a career and sort of finding out what you would be good at or what you can do um well what was interesting actually was sort of within the subjects i was doing and doing well in it was the maths the physics it was all that sort of in chemistry and art is sort of like everybody, it's, it's sort of on the side sometimes. Mm. And I was very good at it, but it sort of was something that got dropped. And I knew that I liked cars, but I went to see an engineering course. And yeah. this uh, friend of mine's mother took us up to Aberdeen to look at mechanical engineering, which I sort of thought, well, that's be design cars. And it was all maths and physics. And I thought, oh my God. <laughs> what, am I, what have I got myself into? I am not sure I'm going to cope with doing that for the rest of my life. And it just, I just thought, no, this isn't going to be for me. Mm. Um, my brother had done industrial design course. And I thought, actually, that's really what I want to do. I better go and start looking at the subject. And I just sat, went back home and started drawing and for a portfolio and started applying for these uh, um, places to try and do cars yeah. uh, or products. It didn't matter what, but design. Because I think I thought mechanical engineering was the same, but it was quite clear it wasn't. And yeah. that's how. And I don't think the, um, I think uh, the, the careers, if you like, they didn't really know that, you know, they sort of give you some idea. But mm. again, uh, we're a small place, Loch Newburn, southwest Scotland. And if it wasn't for, you know, Ian Callum's mother, I think, introducing um, my mother to the idea of design and for my brother to have seen that, we just might not have known about it. And it's yeah. that sort of coincidences that happen. You know, so, yeah, that, that's really how we find out. But even right up to last minute, you know, my other brother did sound recording. Yeah. Oh, that looks like fun. You know, so like your equipment here, he was down uh, and ended up working at the Manor House for Virgin Records. Wow. And that just seemed like fun, you know, record, you know, recording studio, bands coming in and all that side of things. So you quite easily swayed at that stage, or I could have been. Yeah. Um, and, and this one just worked. And I think from that, um, because I was sort of late into it, I didn't do a foundation course, went straight on to design course, and it was industrial design, product design. And I was home to play catch up. So the guys that had been there maybe done a foundation course, they maybe done a bit of graphics, they could do nice layouts on everything. Um, and I was just learning. So all the time I was there, it was great. Because yeah. they were all so far ahead that everything they did, I could just sort of go, okay, I'll take a bit of that and learn from that. So I was very lucky in a way. It just fell into place from that point of view. Yeah, because it sounds like there's a lot of creative that you're surrounded by. Like everywhere you look, your mum, like Ian Cannon's mum, me yeah. and Callum like, was Yeah, there's sort of, there's yeah. sort of people around... And I didn't, you know, when I was growing up again, because there was that gap to my brother, I was able to sort of see again how they were progressing through 
and meet some of these people in strange places. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing because like, there's something that I think is a quote that says like smart people learn from others' mistakes, not from their own okay. yeah. experiences. It's interesting like you you say you pick and pull what you liked best, and it's kind of yeah. like well, that's, it's almost like a shortcut. And it's like I, I tell people all the time, like I go into schools and speak to students, and yeah. I think I was just ask as many questions as you can because if you find out, it's like books. Yeah. Books are just massive shortcuts. It's like 20, 10, 20 years of someone's life they've distilled into this three hundred page thing yeah. you can digest in a day. So it's like interesting. Like, so what were the things that you took that you liked the look of, and what would you say would create your own design style? If that makes is that what what you would say? I, I was very good at looking at other people's work and liking bits of it, and. I think to be a really good designer and the best ones, they have just utter belief in themselves, utter confidence that what they've drawn and what they've designed is the best. And I think why drive and why I've sort of run a company as consultancy is actually I can look at other people's work and say, oh, I think that's mm. a good solution. And so more almost a design director role. Whereas I think, yeah, looking back, I was probably a better designer than I thought I was. Um, and equally, I sort of could see that other people's own felt as part of the process, your responsibility mm. to get the best design out there possible. So surely, you <laughs> yeah, it, it makes a lot of but, sense that yeah, to do consultancy yeah. that now you're doing consultancy because you're yeah. taking the best bits from everyone's work, and back then you were taking the best bits from everyone's work, and it kind of just like paints a nice yeah. picture and path and image you puts two together. But also, you, you've not just started a company as soon as you come out of university. No. So what was what was your journey from like? Living university to finding a job, what was that like for you? So I was, well, I was quite lucky in that the, the course had two placements and that meant it was a four-year course, sandwich course. The first placement sounded great and it was to go How to Vauxhall Motors in Luton and that sounds good and you think design cars and whatever. We got there and it was basically an apprenticeship for metalworking. Oh, okay. So <laughs> we went to, to the metalworking alongside everybody else and basically you got your, your steel-toed boots on, you got your boiler suit on and you went up and you started using lathes, welding and actually it was fantastic. Mm. It was a great laugh and there was a good bunch of us. There was eight, sort of two from different universities and we just had a blast. And it wasn't what we were expecting. And of course, you know, I can remember once you got an extra 15 minutes break if the temperature went above 30 degrees upstairs and stuff. It was just, and it was amazing, but we had a good time. Um, it certainly taught you discipline, you know, because again, you're clocking in, you had to be there on time, you had to do everything like that. And it was hard work and it made you appreciate really there was a design project at the end of it, but up to that point, it was all just metal work and sort of doing that. So the second placement, I was lucky enough to go down to a company called International Automotive Design, IED, on the south coast. And I got a placement there for three months. And that was where suddenly all the, the rendering and all the techniques made sense. Mm. So that was my sort of introduction to the design world properly, understanding what a studio and how it functions. Um, at the end of the course, um, I applied to a couple of places, but also applied back there. And eventually, sort of later in the year, they sort of came back and said, yep, now we've got a place available. Yeah. Come and join us. So that was that was great. And the consultancy side has obviously stayed with me in this variation of work and the sort of spread of projects get involved with. So that was my sort of ease in. And IED at the time was probably one of Europe's biggest consultancies, taking on like Spina Frina and Ital. And they just... Um, Again, it was a, a can-do attitude, and it was at the stage when it was still sort of 
growing into itself. So things were just getting done. People just wanted to help out. Yeah. And if you could sketch something or if somebody could bend a bit of metal, it was just done. And I think that sort of attitude on things and also not getting typecast into being an Audi designer or a BMW designer because things were coming in the door and you just had to switch yeah. very quickly. And that kept it interesting. So at the time, that was a, just a great introduction to, to the sort of the world of design for me. Yeah, because it sounds like a, like a startup culture, like where everyone's doing a little bit of everything else and everyone's kind of chipping in. But it's the fact that it's a, it's a massive consultancy. Like they're, it's, yeah. it, they're op- almost operating like they're just starting out, if that makes sense. In a, in a sense, but, and in a way because um, the, they were pushing that role of a consultancy at the time because they're bringing in much more engineering. They were all, as well as the, the styling almost was like the um, wedge into companies and then they're follow up with all the engineering support they could do. So they're really, you know, quite forward thinking and having to compete. And at that time, I'd have said that maybe the current companies didn't have the resources internally that mm. they do now. Yeah. So is that when you, so you hear IED, you're doing a design placement. So what is the like, Okay, is there any like, where do I go next? What do I do now? Like, was there any like ambition or was it just sort of like, I want to do the best I can? Was there a plan? Is what I guess I'm trying to say. No, I've never been good at plans. <laughs> never good plans. I think um, at the time it was, it was learn, just absorb everybody around you, look at the guys that are doing, it. and again from earlier on, just picking up what, what was good about things. And during that time, the one thing that I did suddenly see was that this software called Alias, which is a surfacing tool, sort okay. of that um, at the time um, wasn't, you know, wasn't the product it is now, and it wasn't used in the industry in the same way. So some of the engineering tools were Katia and things like that, but for designers it was very much sort of pen, paper, sketch, full model, covered in clay, and do a physical model. And this software suddenly arrived, and I just. I'd always been into computer games, yeah. so this sort of made sense to me. I could sit in front of it and I could I could use this tool, and I really did see that this, you know, I wasn't seeing the future, but I just thought, yeah, everyone's going to end up using this in some way or other, and it was a tool to help you resolve your designs. Okay. So I really got into that, and um, I think that in many ways was the stimulus then going forward, and sort of found something that really worked for me as a tool to use as part of my design process. And so what is your design process then? Because I, I mean, I'm, interested, I'm just interested in design as a whole. Yeah. Like I don't really understand how it works. I've done a little bit, like obviously this is sketching part, but like for you, from start to finish, what is the process that you go through? So typically, and you know, now pretty much adopted everywhere, the sketches, we try to get into 3D as quick. And then by 3D, I mean in a digital model. Mm because it's bringing together the package. So the engineers have already thrown in sort of wheelbase, so giving you maybe layout for the engine, the, the, the hard points that you have to clear. And from that, bringing the sketches, which are sort of more concepty over that package quite early on, allows you to sort of work very quickly and impact on the, on the overall hard points and the fixed points. So that's been, that was a big change, because I think before it was slightly more difficult to argue that you could move the three data, or you could maybe come and try the battery for ninety degrees round, because you're working to a lump of foam. So by being able to get that information sooner, and then also put back the surfaces quicker back to the engineering teams, you could certainly move things on quicker. And so we've, you know, 
It's a small studio here, we don't have a big clay plate. So from day dot, it's been really, how quickly can we get that into 3D? And then how can you use that data? So putting the data in the center of the process. Mm. So yeah, the engineers can have what they need from it. Do a lovely visual and CG visual. It can go to marketing or it can go to the design chiefs to say, right, that's what we are looking for. So there's a way that you can use the data is so important. And I think that's what we've done as a process, put that to start and very early on. And so we were going in to help consultancies and car companies very early on with that whole alias part of the process. Yeah, it sounds like very much you're simplifying it for them and you're just making it as efficient as possible, which I guess is what you said on your website, Drive is very much about making it as easy as possible and sort of going through the process. So for you, like, if I'm a, a startup, I'm coming to you and going, right, I've got an idea for a car. Um, what is the process you guys go through? First of all, is understand what they really want and do they, do they really appreciate what's involved. Um, it can be very difficult for them to um, realise just A, commitment, time, money. Uh, I think everybody thinks it'll be quite quick and fairly simple. Um, one quite often the first question is are you wanting carryover lamps or are you wanting you know bespoke brand new ones and uh, they don't realize the amount of money it goes into just doing one lamp to get to a test and approval mm. that might wipe out the whole budget yeah you know so get really understanding where they're coming from and then just working with them about what what they really want from the product and understand that that it's you know if it's a tractor car is it 100% track day or is it a little bit you know drive it there or is it more yeah it's going to be mainly road use mm. and the odd time on track um, and the startups I think also we can bring much more value to a startup because we understand that there's budgets involved we understand that the process has to be quick so again using digital can save a lot of steps maybe that might have been used in the, the sort of larger OEMs and the we're very good at, because um, we're a small team, we, we understand they're a small team. Yeah. So we know exactly what the problems are going through. Um, quite often people come from an OEM and you know, they come from Jaguar and they're just used to all this resource. But you just don't have that. And a bit, again, back to what you are saying about IED. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's happy to muck in. So if it's paint the model before the show, you dive in there and help, even though it's not... Yeah, supposedly your responsibility. Mm. And I think that, again, it is just working at that scale, um, small teams together and getting things done, getting hands dirty and get on with it. If it needs done, just you know, get on. And that probably goes back to, you know, we're talking about um, growing up and just seeing my brothers weren't in the go-karts, you know, just get in there. Mm. Couldn't, couldn't afford to get them tuned by the, the tuning houses. Well, get the head off and you'd clean the ports out and you'd be finding the bendy drill piece to do that um, and yeah just that whole attitude and something else actually I suddenly worked out not that long ago my father's a doctor what relevance that to run your business <laughs> you know? and then I suddenly thought but actually he did he, he had his office he had his staff that he had to bring in he had secretaries he had the whole sort of clients that he had to look <laughs> after so I suddenly thought that actually when I was talking to him he was a real sounding board and it wasn't about design it wasn't it's running a business yeah. and in a sense his his um approach to it is very much how i could take that here as well oh it's funny it's, slightly, but that, no it, it makes sense like i guess also with the whole like doctor approach is the whole scientific method of you know breaking things down and solving problems i guess that makes a lot of sense and there's also a 
another sort of, I forget what it's called. It was called river jumping and the process of taking ideas from yeah. other, like other, you know, other, if it's, if it's not cars, it's hordes culture. Yeah. And the way they do something might be the completely different way you do it, but actually applying that to design or applying it to, it makes complete sense. And quite, yeah, and quite often I think you go along to these director groups of people and then from across different industries, the basic problems are the same, mm-hmm. you know. Not, I'm not saying staff retention, but looking after your staff, people paying late, you know, trying to get things sorted out, timetabling, having to react quickly to change of plans, yeah. you know, all these sort of things. And it's, it is across the industry, so it's not quite as unique as you feel. It's just in your particular stream of things, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing it your way. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just, I'm thinking of sort of like, I don't know, John or Jenny, whoever's listening to this and going, this is this is all great. Like, I, like I understand how to run a design engine consultancy i understand what goes into it but like for them when you when they go oh, I, need, I need a job so like, what is what is what are you looking for and what is the i guess your advice to them for being a designer or being a cg artist or whatever like when you're looking to hire someone what is it you're looking for in that person uh, enthusiasm yeah uh, likable approach um that they've really understood what they're wanting to do um that none of it should be a fallback so if you if you really want to be a designer, you fight for that being a designer. Don't become a modeler because I didn't quite make it. Give yourself time. Um, from a designer's point of view, I'm looking for ideas. So, yep. and I'll, I'll go on about it, but sketches. And, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier on, you are talking about AI. Well, I think what, you know, artificial intelligence is going to do is that's going to sort of bring the say rendering abilities of people closer together so the guys that can really render and do fantastic drawings i think they're going to start being caught up by the guys that can't because they can use ai yeah but the initial idea surely will still come from somebody really having a good idea and thinking it through and sketching it out and understanding that so i'm looking for that from designers point of view but really it is personality and are they going to fit in in the team and are they willing to learn or you know and you can tell you can tell that by what they say in an interview, you know, or are they right? This is it. This is what we've got. And then, of course, as, a, as somebody um, approaching me for a job, I like to think that they've done a little bit of research about yeah. drive, understand that, you know, we are going to be jumping between large project, small project, and that where they will fit is quite important that they're eager to. Um, bring their ideas with them, whether it be from college or from another company. Uh, we're a small company, so it's got a lot of influence. So they're not going into a large company where there's a small person walking around. They come here and they start saying, well, I always draw motorbikes. Okay, right. You know, let, let's add, see a, cu- add a couple wheels. You know, <laughs> and, you know, where can we push that? What can, yeah. what can we do? And um, I think that's important. And also that um, as individuals, we're looking for them to, to bring that into the studio and sort of just increase the work of the studio. Mm. And you, you, the people that come, um, most of them are nice people, yeah. But on the whole, you can just tell the ones that have got a little bit more hunger and have uh, applied themselves. Yeah. That makes, I just, before we go into my eye, I think it's really important to talk about that. But um, you mentioned sort of like you've really got to want it and there's some hard times. So I know it's not all, you know, cherries and roses and it's all not very so for you like when your experience so far what have been the hard times and what have been the things that you've really had to overcome just thinking of 
examples for people to they, when they go, oh, actually, it's not going to be all plain sailing. So what are some of the hiccups that you've had to deal with? So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, each month the podcast has a sponsor that I love and I believe helps the car community. And this month's sponsor does precisely that. I've been a big fan of Fuel for quite some time now, especially when it comes to working out. And I've got some exciting news to share with all of you. I recently discovered Huel's ready to drink milk and it's a total game changer. Not only is it delicious, but I'm a big fan of the chocolate flavor and I'm a bigger fan of the 26 essential vitamins and minerals you need to go about your day. And let me tell you, it came in super handy during a recent 24 hour trip to a certain German racing track. Instead of eating unhealthy petrol station food, Huel kept me energized and focused on and off track. So if you are on the hunt for a quick and easy meal option, Go to huel.com forward slash ignition to receive your free t-shirt and shaker and support the podcast. Now, back to the episode. Um, well, COVID's been a difficult one. That's been mm. tough. Um, a few years ago, there's a financial crisis where basically all of the industry almost stopped. Um, there was just projects were cut, rates were cut. And for me, as a sort of running the business, it's I've got you know up to sixteen guys that sometimes that are relying on the mm. business to keep going. And I've always felt that if I can, in their during their time here, that if they've come out of it, that we've you know given them good projects, helps for their portfolios, and gained experience here, they'll always get a job somewhere else. Yeah. As long as we've kept what we do good. And I think those were hard times. Um and right at the start it's it's difficult starting. Um I was lucky between IED I went to another company, AKA. That was even sm- that was a very small consultancy, very similar to this. Um learned a lot from a guy called Paul Critchley. Learned so much. And so that was also useful. Um, but leaving there and starting my own, again, it's, it's scary. Where are you getting the work? Who, who are you going to talk to? Um, you know, I've, never, I've never had a problem walking into companies, mm. as long as I'm talking about what I know. And so therefore, that's, that's actually quite easy. I've never really felt out of place doing that. Um, but maybe setting the meetings up is quite difficult. Pulling somebody up and saying, well, you know, we design cars, you design cars, can come and help you. Yeah. You know, it's, it can can be difficult. And that it's a, it takes a lot of time to build those relationships up. Um, yeah, it's that sort of thing. I mean, it's, there's, on the whole, it's about keeping the machine rolling. And that's that's quite tough on itself because day in, day out. And it's we're, we're reliant on the clients to give us the work. So therefore, we have to produce all the time. Yeah. So keeping that level high. And keeping the motivation of everybody up, is, is, it can be quite difficult. And I've been very lucky with the people around. Uh, Mark Pritchard, his fellow director, uh, through all the years has, has been really good. He's, um, I'm a little bit like this, yeah. grab ideas and do stuff. And Mark keeps it on a, a, a central line and the quality control, if you like, making sure that we're delivering and nothing goes out that we're not happy with. Yeah. Um, and that's it, because you are, you are only as good as you know, the reputation you've got and that can go quite quickly and we, we like to think we've kept ours 
Yeah, well, 25 years so far and counting. <laughs> exactly. well, here's the 25 more. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting. Like you say, you found someone that comp- almost like compliments the, the other parts of you that don't work. Not don't work, but, you know, aren't, aren't as productive as you might like them Just to be. Just different, yeah. Yeah, it's complementary to your, to your skill set. And how is that being, like, having a fellow director and, like, growing that side of it? Like, I know you've got a team and stuff, but with your relationship with Mark, like, how has that helped you and, and drive grow? Uh, just because um, you know that somebody's got your back, one hundred percent, and and he believed in drive from I think the first time that he heard of us really, and I, that um, is an amazing situation to be in, where really, you find somebody uh, that sort of shares the vision, if you like, and we just yeah, been through quite a lot of other things. So outside of work, there's a lot of things can yeah. happen. And when you're able to share those openly and then work through them and sort of get that sort of, um, yeah, that sort of relationship where you know fine that he knows what makes me tick and he'll know when to just sort of like maybe steer clear and I'll be the same. And yeah, it's that sort of thing. Um, As I say, he's very focused. So getting him to take time let's chat about things it's important to me to have that communication mm. sort of see. and we're you know we're sort of having to work in a different way because um we're now he's sort of working from home more so whereas i used to grab him and grab a coffee and be able to chat for five minutes or chat for half an hour now it's sort of different because it's not quite the same as a day-to-day sort of interaction but um Working through that, we've certainly now found, I think we're finding a rhythm, yeah. you know, that, yeah, we, we need to communicate. I think he's maybe understand I need to communicate. <laughs> That's what I like. I like people in the studio. I like talk, talking to people and uh, getting the feedback. And I think that's, you know, important just how, you know, how that works. So with Mark, it's been great from that point of view. And yeah, I think it's, you're doing well if you find somebody that can spend that amount of time with yeah. and um, just that can, yeah, as you say, complement what you do. And that's you know, been so important. That's interesting. So uh, there's a, uh, I'm, I'm full of quotes, by the way. You, you know. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, you, I, I, just, I, like, I just like listening to people and the way they describe things. I'm a very visual person. So when someone said to me, you, um, you can't build a skyscraper and a foundation meant for a house. That's why I mentioned Mark. So that, that is, you're building a foundation. Yeah. And we meant, mentioned the future. We mentioned AI. And uh, yeah, I mean, are you worried about AI? Uh, no, I think um, in the same way that everybody's worried about alias getting rid of clay modelers, um, AI getting rid of designers, it'll it it'll find its place in the car industry. I think it'll find its mm. place. I do think that it it will um, stimulate because it quite clearly will. I don't know if it will. Um, find the solutions all the time for people because I still think that will come from the individuals. Yeah. I do see that potentially um, some people whose work, as I say, was never presented as well, their ideas might get further down the line now because suddenly their idea could be presented better. I also think that there was a time where you could sort of almost age a design by how it was represented. And sometimes that's to do with the designers doing it, the, you know, the sort okay. of their skill set somewhere. And I've got a feeling that this might bring them sort of back into the picture where their ideas actually are being presented at the same level 
So I think this it's quite interesting. I think it's it's not going to be a downside for everybody. I'm sure there is. You know, we're all talking about it. You know, is it going to get rid of people? And um, I was listening to a guy who's doing games, and up to now he's done all the environments in the backgrounds, and he says now I'm just sitting there typing, and it's not so much that he's lost his job, it's that he's lost the creative part of his job yeah. and therefore he's saying, well, I'm walking away from this isn't what I signed up for. So I think there's a bit of that you know, that's going to come in as well, where there is going to be negatives, no doubt about it. Um, but hopefully, as a tool from a design perspective, there's, you know, there's positives from it and the, the mixes that are going on. And yeah, people are going to have to work with it, but it won't be the be-all and end-all. Yeah, no, I'm just interested because it's like, you mentioned earlier the ideas part for you is important when you look at someone and if you can get more ideas you can get well you can develop the design better you can develop the ideas you can look at all the possibilities and i think something that especially me is like what i thought was different from us from computers is that our, our creativity i thought that was something that you know you can't replicate in, yeah. in a machine but the fact that you're able to give it prompts and you're able to describe what you want and then it creates it yeah. i think that's the part i struggle with and i think most people do struggle with is the fact that I can't be creative anymore, but like you said, it's coming up with more designs, more ideas, and this is the way you use those ideas. There's, I think, the, um, there's always been a worry that too many ideas can be thrown up on a wall. Mm. And then, so when the next one comes along and people start covering walls with ideas, and AI could do that, you could have, you know, so many of them, but how do you spot the one that's correct? How do you pull that one out? So I think that could be somewhere that, um, there's got to be a bit of a selection process going on. And so therefore, not only does the idea going up have to be maybe thought about a bit more, but the person choosing them and making the right choice has still got to be, you know, I don't think they'll be quite able to go, oh, well, I'll just pick that one. Somehow they're going to have to work a way to filter, filter the stuff that's coming out. I mean, so if you, I mean, if you look at your process so far, as you mentioned you're a small team, like where do you think it would fit in best in the company? Um, I think maybe just the, the that that point maybe where we could get some ideas rounded up quickly and just to see what they're looking like, um, so that they're maybe not having to spend so much time. Well, let's render this one out and then go back. And so, mm. so more of the more of the filling in the gaps maybe. Um, I'm not sure. We've we've had one client that did some came to us and said, right, here's the brief, and oh, by the way, this is what I typed in. And the card came back was, yeah, a mismatch of other things. Yeah. And yet the design that when we designed something that he went for wasn't anything really like what he'd shown yeah. us. So I think that shows that there's still, there's still that area that you've got to you know, say, get an idea and understand what they're really looking for. And maybe that will come with AI, that you want to really understand what the client wants, then you've got someone to interpret it and get that across. But I think everybody's learning from it, and um, the more people that are experimenting and working out from sketch to render, from render to sort of replica car, from replica car back to sketch, there'll be a way that it will sort of come together and they'll understand, you know, how to get best out of it and where it fits exactly. Yeah, maybe we're all sort of trying to work that one out. Yeah. Oh, this is because from someone that's like outside of the industry. Like, I don't, I don't research design every day. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm more interested in the industry as a whole and like taking a wider. Like, where is it going? And like for you, like, where is the design? Like, when you have people come and ask you for those concepts, 
what are people asking for and what do you see happening in terms of the way that cars are going to look in like five, ten years? Oh, boy, this one. Um, I'm not, I'm not, uh, there's a lot going on at the moment that the, the big grill, the big grill across the front, and I just see that as a, um, a waste of space. So I'm quite happy electric cars are bringing back that people have to think about what's going on in the front of the car. Because I think they've just been painting big black blobs across the front. And I think that's a shame because it's a big area of design. Um, so if that goes, I'll be happy. Um, SUVs, yeah, in a sense, they're, they're lending themselves to this higher body yeah. batteries underneath. I'm hoping that maybe goes away a little bit as well and we're not all running around in Jeeps. I think that's it'll be nice to go. And you can see some of the cars now, and obviously Hyundai are experimenting with different ways of representing the car, you know, looking back to some of their past, but also bringing it forward in a new way. So there's interesting things going on. Um, but I just, like always, you can't jump too far, you know, and I think there's, you've got to take everybody with you. It's a shame that the BMW i3 and i8, I think, were really great jumps. And I'm sort of not yeah. sure if, if anyone's captured that yet. And I think they, it's a shame. I'd love to see that sort of moving forward somehow. But they seem to have stopped. And I don't know what the next ones have been, but I thought they were clever in the way that they created almost like a new brand. And it just seemed to fit and to go past them now. And I still you know, like what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. Yeah. Yes, because I mean, it's aerodynamics has a lot to do with it. I spoke to just because the only reason I mentioned aerodynamics is because electric cars need to be. You know, that's the whole point. Yeah. Like you get more range because it's less. You know, it's less like a brick. Yeah. Um, and I spoke to someone and they said that hopefully that cars won't all look the same and that actually you can redefine what a car looks like. It's not your cabin with your like the front section being the engine or whatever because now you've got motors and batteries. So it's yeah, I'm just interested in your interpretation of that as well, Mike. I guess everybody says that you can move things around and there's a bit of that, but regulation's still there. So a lot of the point, the reason that a lot of cars suddenly seem to be doing the same things, um, like when there was a certain amount of clearance from the bonnet down to hard points in the engine, suddenly the bonnets had to go up to clear the engine. Suddenly that meant what's happening down the side, you brought the glass line up to meet that because otherwise you had a step. Mm. So suddenly those things, those regulations drive a lot of what's going on and they'll still be there. So again, how that sort of interpretations happen to allow the cars to differ, uh, it'll be, again, interesting to see. But obviously there is opportunities and people are exploring and maybe the concept cars that you've seen when you're looking through and yeah, glass, the glass and floor and stuff like yeah. that. That's so obviously driving those things. But again, at the moment, it's how you know, find that best solution. Um, you know, people probably still don't really want their legs in front of the front wheel. You know, it's not crash zones and stuff. So there's still going to be some of that elements. And I'm not quite sure everybody's going to be sitting back reading a paperback on the way to work all the time. I mean, it's probably become, but I'm not sure it's there yet. Yeah, because it's funny because you look at lorries and they are sitting on the wheels. Like, you think about it, like, there was a lot. I get there's crash protection because everything's so, underneath yeah. them. <laughs> so, like, you can yeah. sit on top of the wheels yeah. because everything else is beneath you. Yeah. Um, it's just funny because I feel like if you were to design a car completely from scratch, and I know it's quite hard because there are rules and regulations for a reason, but if I was to say to you, like, I'm going to throw the book away on rules and regulations, like, what would you do? 
Probably look like a Formula One car. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the ultimate driving machine. Um, what would it, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I think it'd just be a case of exploring. And it is, it is that. So once, it's almost if you're given too much, how, yeah. how can you, you bring it down to sort of something? So sometimes it's worth having those sort of rules and the way it's been played. But ultimately, it's, it's probably a small city car. Mm. It's probably something that actually is going around town and something that people can use so the range and all that sort of thing works. Um, because there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, yeah, there's a lot of big cars, a lot of supercars, but a lot of people now are going to be around sort of shorter journeys, I think, and rather than sitting in a big car doing yeah. that, I think that sort of thing makes sense if we're trying to... Um, you know, save resources of the of of the environment. You know, there's no need for us to have massive four by fours driving into London. You know, so in a way, these smaller things are bound to make sense. And then maybe yeah, it is the sort of car sharing idea where you actually get something different when you're going, you know, going for your longer journeys, or yeah. you're able to trade it in or car share. Whatever. Have you heard the game called Automation? No. So automation is a it's literally like a it's a car tycoon simulator. Okay. And the reason I bring it up, and there is a there is a reason, is that I'm just thinking of like people getting into car design and what you can do with automation is as just you look it up, you can basically you pick your body style uh-huh. and you can pick the materials, you can pick the the, the layout, the suspension, where you want wishbone, whether you want um tremi- tre- semi training yeah. arm, all this sort of stuff. And it's what I I I, I play with all the time. I love it because I, I love just creating things and putting yeah. things into motion. And it's it's like it could I mean could you use something like that? And as a way to get people into design, I'm thinking about like showing people the options of of creativity and what that would happen as well. And are, are games, in your opinion, a way to get into it? Well, I think so. Yeah. It's got people into motor racing. I think yeah. I think games are it's um, well, it's like Lego, isn't it? It's like building yeah. something out of Lego and understanding and now the kits that you can get where you can see how a car works and not really understand it and understand it, a differential or something. I mean, that's amazing, you know, sort of those sort of things. Yeah. So, yeah, I think anything like that. I think then even the um, yeah, Project 4 or whatever, where they, they're maybe too complicated initially, but you can change everything with suspension. But understanding that before you go into a real car, amazing. You yeah. know? It's a totally different situation that I'm sure there's you know kids coming up now that understand the dynamics of a car much better than people that have been racing for several years because mm. they've, they've been told about springs and what that'll do so using it in a way like that from a, a design point of view yeah anything that encourages actually yeah I know it's a bit off but I just I wanted to obviously talk, talk about the future and sort of the future for like drive as well like where would you like to see the company and yourself either in like if I went the next five, ten years right, are going to be the sort of best five, ten years you could have. You could write the book yeah. on where you're going. Like, what would that look like? Uh, what would it look like? I think it would be just a growth of what we've got. We've got a great, talented team. Uh, seriously, we've got some great ideas coming out. We're, we're, we're as well as doing automotive, we get involved in other areas, um, product design, aircraft interiors and things. And it's that mix. And it's sort of more of that, to be quite honest. And I think what we, what we bring to people and to clients is that um, freshness. And I just like to see more people coming. And I, I, I hate seeing people leave, mm. but equally I know that they're going on and they're, they're doing their journey and, and that's how it should be. And um, 
bringing people back, uh, new people in, have got a real chance. So that's what I'd like to see. Is it just you know, to be quite honest, more of the same because it's fun. Yeah. And as much as uh, I'll yeah worry about it and what's going to come next and we can have lean periods and whatever, but you're just not quite sure why you're not getting projects. The end of the day, when you've got the team there and somebody sketches it, the next guy says, oh, I can do that and model it in the next visual and animate it. That's great fun. It really is. And it's just uh, the enthusiasm of the guys. So it's really that. So I think if it's a good team, that's, that's to me the main thing. And then, yeah, just the type of projects we get involved with um, you know, are, are fascinating and they're always varied. And I think that, again, as a consultancy, has been one of the, the best things because we, we know that next week, yeah, it could be a small car, it could be a supercar, it could be a start-off, it could be an OEM. Um, yeah, just so varied. And that's, yeah, that's just fun. No, it's, it's great to hear you're not pigeonholing yourself in terms of what you do. Like, we're not just a, does it come, we're not just a car design agency. Because, not, well, I don't think... I don't think you can. We've, we promote ourselves as one, but then we're getting product design companies or pro, you know, products coming saying we want an automotive approach to this because we like the surfacing or we want the excitement of a car. And that gives us something to go and look and then sort of another approach on something. Mm. And we've always cross-fertilised from the aircraft industry has um, you know, told us all about... Um, Basically, car sharing. You go into an aircraft seat, you sit there for a flight, so you've gone from A to B, you get out and you leave it. And then that has to be cleaned for somebody that's not sat there and doesn't know you, comes in, sits down, goes from B to A. And that'll be the same with car sharing. You're going to go in, so you can sit down, and then you're going to have to remember to take your stuff with you, so maybe the car has to help you do that. So all those sort of things, there's this, um, you know, a, a real chance to learn from other industries and other the ways that maybe super yacht people do things or a product design company does something take that into the automotive world see how it works and then vice versa take that back and i think we've always done that we've always been quite keen to to learn and, and move forward yeah i guess that's again that's the that's the whole river jumping thing is you're taking things from different industries and you're you're improving them in a in an industry which is automotive and yeah. taking it back out again is it that's like i guess that's how ideas like work you can't just have a a one like one solution fixes all solution up like, approach to everything. Yeah. No, I think you've got to got to and you've got to keep learning, you've got to keep finding. Mm. And so like saying AI or when it was alias um computer, you know, you've got to try them and if if they're right, then you'll work with them and make sure that they're, they're success and how that fits into your way of working. Yeah. Um, and before we ask the sort of like the five questions at the end of the podcast, I, right. I do a, I do a one question for you and it's like sort of if you were to say drive is good at one thing, um, what would that one thing be? I would just good at basically delivering um, creative creative projects to people, no matter what it is, understanding what, what you're trying to achieve and as a team working together with you to, to output that. So that, that's what we're good at, uh, whether it be a car or a pair of sunglasses. Fantastic. Um, so the, one of the first, the first of these five questions is, um, what is your ultimate three-car garage? Okay. Um, well, the first one, and it's going to be very easy, it's an F1 car, Formula 1. Um, it's the Ferrari 312T, Nicky Lauda, 1975. And uh, 
yeah, that'd be my first one. Pretty specific. Money was no object. I just think it's beautiful, and I think it sort of features a bit in the, the Rush film, or whatever. But that 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 was my hero, and uh, that car is just always. I think uh, even had a one twelve Tamiya kit back and yeah. working on that from Brian and stuff and doing is that. Is that the one with the chimney yeah, at the top? Yeah, the top yeah, yeah. yeah, Before it went to the next <laughs> year, when it was all the year out the front, but yeah. So that, um, Alfa Romeo Duetto, so the, the boat tail from sort of 1976, uh, the graduate film with um, Dustin Hoffman, probably don't know it, but lovely uh, car. I think that's a just beautiful design and um, Italian and just got the, can just Imagine in red going round the Riviera and mm. stuff like that. So that that'd be lovely to do. Have uh, and then um, probably just the Zenos uh, E Ten R, which yeah. I've got because ah, we designed it, <laughs> and it's probably the closest we'll ever get is drive having their their own produce their own car because we did every surface on it, um, and from the sketch through and worked with um, Anzar Ali and Mark Edwards. Um, from D Dot's company, and it was just a great project. So that encapsulates drive for me. Mm. You know, it was everything in the team, and I can remember, you know, all the aspects of that whole project. So yeah, that's got to be there. That's <laughs> not very imaginative. No, it's, it's also it's just like seeing you come alive when you're describing. Yeah, it. like, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a labour of love, isn't it? I yeah, guess. and it does. It's just it just encapsulates everything from, you know, just even ha- talking to them about the branding and they're involving us in the name and they came to sort of budget and stuff, you know, exactly what they're trying to achieve and just fascinating. Learned so much through that as well about how to do a startup properly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The next question is, um, you got any car to drive on any road or track, but you can do it once. Where would you go and what would you take? Uh, right. Well, the Nuremberg ring you'd say was up there, but I think I will go for Monza. Yeah. In the Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grab a red helmet and uh, be off, and uh, hopefully they'd all turn up to watch it. And if I could do one lap like that, even yeah. slowly, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd, I'd Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the next question is again, this podcast, I aim to just show people what like we can do. And sometimes I'll ask this question, and people go, actually, they, com- they sound completely different to what they do now. And the question is, is if money was no object, you didn't need it to live, you didn't need it to survive, what would you do for a living? I'd be a racing driver, <laughs> but as my child doesn't like me, I love what I do. You know, I, I really do, and and it's it's the running the company. I do, I really mm. enjoy. It. I enjoy the personalities and people, as you can tell, and um, that side of things. But yeah, if it was if I could reverse it to no object, then yeah, of course, dreams. It's one of the things I like happiness, and it's look, looking at doing more of the stuff that makes you happy, doing less of the stuff that makes you miserable. And even if like you can't become a racing driver, like there's still bits of like even like me, I, I go go karting once a week or once a month. You can and, do exactly, yeah. and I think again we, we touched uh, about this um, article or post that you put up about what you do, and it is committing one hundred percent to, it and then understanding where you are. Mm. And there's a point between. I find I I want to be very good at it as a profession maybe and then there's a hobby and I think you've got to understand who you are on that because don't throw away the enjoyment of the hobby mm. chasing professional if you think oh well, I'm not going to drive I'd rather not watch and stuff like that you know if you really enjoy it you know go and do this yeah. so that's yeah. what I'd say on that one and then the next question is then the advice that you give to a younger younger Chris that wants to start out uh, confidence just be confident whatever you do whatever you choose to do just believe 
um, because it's it's not easy to have that. And I think that's something that I've probably seen over the years that the people that um, just have a self belief about what they're doing really believe in themselves, and it's not easy. And it comes sometimes, whether it be yeah designing or whether it be running business or walking in somewhere, just walk tall mm. and just believe you know you've got as much right to be there as anyone else. And uh, I think that's something that, uh, as I say, when you're when you're chasing people and you're seeing what they're designing, you you've got to remember that actually you'll get there. Yeah. So just believe you'll get there, and I think that's it. Don't think oh, I'll never get there because you will. It's, they've just got more experience or they've just had a different life experience that's gotten to that point. So just believe in yourself and back yourself 100%. Yeah. As well as you don't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 25. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, quite, diff- it's difficult, yeah. but you can. You have to, have to look at it like that. You know, so when I come to myself as well, like I look at all the podcasts out there and I go, okay, well, I've not got this, I've not got that, I've, I need to do this. And you just... Instead of going and looking, we don't have what we do have. Look, look how far you've come, and yeah. use that as because like confidence very much comes from self belief, but also experience. Like the fact that I've done X amount of episodes, and there are hundreds of podcasts which only have three. Like that should yeah. be enough for me to go. I'm yeah. doing it, and you've grown it. And also, what you know, again, I, was, I listened to one of your very early ones and listened through, mm-hmm. and you're just more relaxed with it, mm-hmm. and you're sort of thinking, okay, now I can talk this through, and I can just do that. And it's great, it's great to see, and that's it. You, you know, if you to go back to your first one now, but you could, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem, the problem, the first one I did was Andy Palmer, and I think after oh, that it was okay. like terrifying. I was sitting there, I remember sitting on Zoom with this legend, that's that's cool. automotive, yeah, yeah. and I'm like. Hi, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's great to like just also to know that these are people as well, yeah, and like you can speak to anyone, yeah, they might not want to speak to you, but <laughs> well, so I think as somebody used to say about presentations, everybody, when you do a presentation, they're not all sitting there wanting you to do it badly, yeah, they want you to do well, so you just have to look like that, really, don't they? Everybody wants to have a good chat with you, yeah. and uh, for the podcast to be a success, and you know, for the conversation to go well, yeah. And the last question is, um, what do you love most about cars? Um, the fact that it brings every aspect of them brings enthusiasm from people and brings people together. So whether it be a car club, going out for a drive, racing meetings, designer night, you know, there's a common interest there. And I think again, it's uh, for me, it's it's really given me a, a fascinating chance and insight into seeing and meeting such a variety of people, mm. whether it be designers through motorsport or through just a club because you've got the same car as them and they don't even have to be in the industry but they've got a story they've got a love for cars mm. and it's just that's fascinating so it's that common thing and i know other subjects will have it but um yeah and driving them yeah yeah driving. Would, oh well thank you thank you for hosting me it's been a pleasure and thank you for your time it's been great to get to know a bit more about your story and hopefully it's helped someone figure out what they want to do well so. i hope so and thanks for yours it's been great fun enjoyed it thank you for listening this is the Ignition Podcast. Get ready to fuel your passion for cars and motorsport every Monday and Thursday. We bring you stories, valuable career tips and tricks that will help you navigate the automotive world. So don't miss out. Follow the Ignition Podcast now and join the drive towards becoming the number one automotive podcast worldwide. Let's embark on this thrilling journey together.